Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver. Here with Dane Lee. Uh, today we have Tim Williams on, owner of Ritual Apparel. Um, we're going to get into some things dealing with business. We're talking about Tim's past, uh, his business and where it started, where it came from, uh, and where it's at now, things like that. So I'll go ahead. Uh, we'll let Tim kind of introduce himself a little bit. Um, basic like life background, you know, how you started your business and uh, kind of the growth it's seen over the past couple of years. Uh, oh man, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, yeah, my name's Tim, Tim Williams. Um, I started Ritual Apparel with my wife, uh, Molly Williams, about four years ago. Um, before that, I was your atypical punk kid. I was living in a van um, and in punk houses, traveling the country, uh, trying to like do the music thing. Um, I did that until I was about 27 years old. Um, but you know, I guess like in retrospect, you would kind of say that that was my first, uh, you know, little trip into like a business situation, although I definitely didn't treat it as a business. Um, in a lot of ways the people around me would probably say that I don't treat ritual very much like a business. Um, but yeah, so started ritual pretty much directly after that fell apart. We were working shitty jobs. I was serving, I was waiting tables in a fucking restaurant, uh, a Texas roadhouse. And, um, you know, <laughs> what? I said, I love that place. It's good. I mean, I still go back there and eat it. It's very macro friendly. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so we're waiting. I was waiting fucking tables, and you know, life for my the first time in my life, like the trajectory of it was like I'm working this job um, because through most of the band situation, I didn't like work like a typical job. I did some freelance uh, graphic design work. I had started like an indie label and put out a few tapes and stuff. So like. I was just like hustling, like on the side, like in a DIY way, like, um, you know, trying to like make ends meet so I can continue to tour and like live this like obnoxiously unrealistic lifestyle. (laughs) Um, uh, But I did it, you know, for like six or seven years. And um, yeah, so the first time in my life, I was like looking kind of down the barrel at what the rest of life looks like, like with, you know, no college education to speak of. I'm working in a fucking restaurant. Um, my wife is also working in a restaurant with very minimal college um, education. And, you know, like starting to sort of like see that look, you know, like because that's becoming a reality to me, to me for the first time, like after the band didn't work, it work out. And I was like, that's not what I want. And um, basically, I sort of made a list of things that I didn't want to do. And at the very top of that list, because it was so screamingly obvious to me, working in the like corporate situation that I was in that I just didn't want to work for anyone else. I didn't want to make anyone else money. Um, it was absolutely unappealing to me. And there's a few other things on that list, but, um, yeah, inevitably I decided to utilize the skills I'd picked up, um, doing the band, um, and doing graphic design and just sort of like try out, um, an apparel thing. A, a friend of mine had done it and seen some success and, uh, Overall, I was pretty interested in it. I was pretty used to running a meet, uh, a merch store. Obviously, not very well. Like, if you can just imagine, like, dirty punk kids, like, trying to get to the post office in time, you know, like, yeah. right before you go on tour. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, we didn't do it very well back then. I feel like the, the not to cut you off, but I feel like the band stuff, though, it, that's all life experience, and that's, that's something that's kind of overlooked 
with a lot of people. Uh, they think they need to go to college. I think they need this high education to start a business. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs I know literally is just an idea one day or they had some kind of life experience that altered their move, you know, to move in that direction. So traveling and like you said, that was your first taste of a business. I'm sure like you had some revenue coming in from whatever sales you would get or, you know, merch sales, things like that. So it's like you didn't even have you didn't have to go to business school to start a business. You had life experience that kind of pushed you in that direction. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like even the band is a very entre- entrepreneurial experience. Like you, it's your first taste of like. For me, it was my first taste of like no one is holding my hand, and it's also very societally uh, sort of looked down upon, you know, because you do put everything on the line. You're you know you're eating shit. You are basically like, it's the equivalent, it's the punk rock equivalent to like, you know, holding a cup on the side of the road, you know, like, please listen to my band's music. That would be really cool if you could do that, you know, but I don't disagree, man. Like a lot of the things that I learned in the band and some of the things that I saw and the people that I met, it made us all in the band better people like it's one of those experiences that i'm very very happy that i did even though if you could like you could probably categorize it as like my first big failure however like the seven years in that van the travel the experience the people that i met the confrontation um that i had to overcome and figure out how to do working with labels and different people who were in music for making money and booking agents um and promoters and all those things like it did teach me some very, very valuable life lessons as well as just like made me a lot better of a people person because like naturally uh, I'm not (laughs) to be (laughs) completely real. Um, I'm not uh, at at one point in time, not long ago, if someone would have been like, Hey, come on this podcast. I've been like, Oh no, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, but you know, you grow, you learn, and I think that the band is, was the first thing that really pushed me out of my, my comfort zone. So, like, that stuff is very valuable in my life and, like, an experience I wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, just on the visual acuity alone, like, I saw so many things that so many people will never do, and I took a risk that, that so many people don't do. I laid mm-hmm. it all out on the line. I spent, like, the vast majority of my 20s trying to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think even now, like, my parents, who are very much more like... Um, you know, follow the path type of people. Um, they look at it now and they're like, wow, I'm really glad you did that. Um, but yeah. yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. What What did you do in the band? Playing instrument uh, sing? Yeah, I sang and played guitar. Were you the lead singer? Yes. So you just said that you don't have very good people skills and yet you were the lead singer of a band. Yes. For seven, how does that work out? How do you create that personality to be up there in front of people, especially with like a niche kind of music genre like punk rock and yet you say only until a few years ago did you develop you know better people skills well i would say they definitely started to develop through the band like that's definitely when that happened but i I would like to and you can probably see this with some of the bands that you may admire but when you're on stage or you're even like playing a basement right there's a clear line between performer and person watching Mm -hmm. there is um i would rehearse random things to say on stage, um, weird things or whatever it would be, whatever book I'm reading, like experts from whatever book I'm reading. And I would say those things on stage as opposed to actually having to communicate with the audience. My head would be down most of the time. And a lot of the times we rigged 
are set to be seamless to where there was as little talking to the audience okay. as humanly possible. Um, and then eventually they forced me to start running the merch booth after shows uh, because of being, you know, the center of attention. Um, people wanted to talk to me, um, but then our merch sales went down. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I can feel that from a sense too. Like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm one of those people, like if you know me, I can talk to you forever. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get me going on on a topic or something like this podcast to get on here, like like you said at first, I was like, oh my god, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm put my thoughts out there to everyone, and sometimes I say the wrong shit. You know, sometimes I'm a little too bold for people, and like, and then I realized, like, fuck it, I'm I'm who I'm gonna be anyway. And if you don't like it, then oh well. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on there and, and do that. But like here at the gym, you know, sometimes I don't have time to talk to people all day and things like that and i don't have time to approach people or you know i have kind of that resting asshole face so a lot of people that first come in think like oh man he's a little scary Mm -hmm. you know but that's also why we have like our gym manager's very outgoing he'll walk right up to you you know what i mean so it's like you have to have that kind of balance i guess but yeah it is one of those things it's hard to do it um I, i relate to that a lot because like i I definitely like I moved around a lot as a kid and I think that that uh like I my mom had me when she was 16 and um we moved everywhere like I was born in Los in uh, Long Beach California uh, I lived in Georgia Missouri and North Carolina and South Carolina uh we moved a lot when I was a kid so it sort of like forced me to like have it at least a little bit of being able to like get by in a social situation but mm-hmm. once I like sort of reached like my teen years and stuff I sort of like readapted that uh seclusion and even like in the band and stuff like I sort of like I I guess like I'm one of those people that's like I'm very comfortable like in my own space like almost all my friends and people that have known me for long periods of time are very surprised that me and Molly have been together for as long as we have um we've been together 10 years I just I'm not a person that like seeks out those sort of like social interactions social interactions that would you know lead to a relationship like that mm-hmm. um but you know again like i've grown a lot and now i value those interactions and those things like immensely and i realize how important they are and um you know i i am made better by the people that are around me as all of us are made better or worse by the people that are around no, us um but still to this day i would definitely say i'm much more likely to you know talk to people that i feel as if can um understand where i'm coming from like if i get the if i get the sense that you um aren't going to be able to have a valuable conversation or we aren't going to be able to have a valuable conversation which doesn't necessarily mean the other person is stupid or anything like that it just may mean that we have a different set of values that don't particularly align in us being able to have a conversation that is mutually beneficial yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense so back to kind of your story here whenever um you know, you started your apparel business, like what, you know, what was day one? You know, what's that look like? Did did you just like, you know, come up with some designs and just order it and go? Or, or did you kind of put out feelers or take pre-orders? Or like how how'd the business side of it start? So this is, um, this is five parts corn. This is like so many different parts. Some of it is like a cheesy story. Because, and then, the, then another part of it is like a little bit proud of like how, handled it initially um 
like I'm such a believer, like aside from like maybe my, some of my social um, outside the norm shit. Um, but one thing I've always known is that like my perspective is just as large as everyone else's. Like everyone else has a world just as big as my own and how important something is to me is likely just as important to the other person. So when we started ritual, we started with um, the name. So I was, I was a fat kid, like my whole life. I went to military school, um, public, publicly funded. We were broke as shit. Don't get, you know, (laughs) Um, I went to military school because, you know, like I was not doing good in school because I just didn't give a shit about school. And that's like another thing that, is a constant throughout my life. If I don't care about it, I'm not going to put any effort into it. Um, and there's literally nothing you can do to convince me to do it. Um, but we started ritual. Um, I had started to get into lifting weights, uh, and I had found like a true place for myself there. I'd lost a bunch of weight. I was feeling much, much better. I think I went from weighing like 280 to 180, like in like a year. Um, I loved it. I was like one of those people that just loved, I found the love in that struggle, you know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like so many powerlifters definitely do. Like you find that love in those small moments of just like, holy shit, I don't know if I'm going to stand up with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was explaining it to a friend. I think I was uh, specifically talking about squat and I was just like, um, you know, it's sort of like a habit or something, or like, it's like, uh, you know, like you do everything the same every time. So it's like, sort of like ritualistic or something. And I said it and I just sort of like marked it in my mind as being like, okay, that's a cool thing. Like relating a ritual to, you know, the pursuit of fitness or your setup and squad or something else. Like, and I, I just sort of like logged it, you know? So when the idea started getting tossed around of starting a clothing brand between my wife and I, which she was more than willing to do because she hated our lives too. Like my wife is the same as I am. She, she doesn't want to work a shit job for the rest of her life. She doesn't take comfort for an answer. Um, she is definitely just like me in that way, like driving and pushing us forward. Always. She is a perfectionist. Um, and yeah, so when we started ritual, um, thankfully we had a a really good fucking name, like right out of the gate. Um, and what I meant by like people's perspectives and value, valuing, valuing them and knowing that they're just as immersive as your your own is is like i never wanted to do anything like take pre-orders now i don't know like if anything that you guys have done i never wanted to crowdsource um you know no no offense to anyone that's that's done those things but i wanted to like do something that looked like we knew what the fuck we were doing like Mm -hmm. we knew what we were doing that looked the way that i wanted it to look out of the out the gate of course the first drop was terrible like looking back on it the designs were not where i wanted to be um you know but like i wanted so badly to present something that i was proud of and that i i felt like i could stand behind especially after going through like the album production process Mm -hmm. with with our band and all that stuff like multiple times and knowing what goes into advertisement and all that stuff like i'm pretty sure we had like well over a thousand or two thousand followers on instagram before ritual even dropped a single piece of clothing yeah when this you know for people listening when this comes out hopefully you've already listened to the previous podcast episode um i talked a lot uh in there and i, I even you know and this is kind of what connected me to tim here to get him on is like i talked in there about mentality of opening a business and things like that. And right there, it's like, 
so many people are afraid to just take that step, go all in, throw it out there, and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then from there, the mentality to to build. The thing that caught me was when you said, like, in your uh, your post about, like, I would have been willing to work, you know, at McDonald's to get by to grow ritual. I think a lot of people don't get that. Like, you're not just going to boom off the start. No. Most of the best business people I know that started businesses – um, they started very, very small at the bottom. You know, they went all in on it. And some of them now, like, you know, I'm not going to throw out names and things like that, but I know people that started businesses six years ago that are driving $150,000 cars now. Now, money's not everything. I get that. Material things aren't everything. I get that. But it's the sense of like that person's businesses blew up so much that they could just on a whim afford these things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you're not going to be a millionaire week one, you know, year one, year two. Like it doesn't work that way. You're not going to just accelerate and be the biggest apparel company in six months, you know. So um, it's that same way. Like people aren't going to see you until you start booming, but it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. It's like it's all the building that comes up to that point and then suddenly – you're seen by lots of people who di- you didn't have exposure to before. And they're like, oh, where'd this person come from? Well, you know, you've been there all mm-hmm. along. It's just you didn't have the following or the growth or the size, whatever it is that got their attention. And it took all of that time to build the foundation until it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, too, is like, you know, you can do like a rate of perceived growth when you're starting your business. Mm -hmm. You can look at it and take like maybe how many followers you have at the start versus how many orders and like do some basic math and be like, okay, well in six months I should be here. Well, as us all having experience in fitness, (laughs) let's talk about how well that works. It fucking doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. You can't think of shit like that. Like it's everyone's growth rate is so different. Like you, I can point out to you two companies that were million dollar companies in a year, and I can count out to you ten year heritage companies that still aren't million dollar companies, but they're mm. they're great, they're growing, they're growing at a respectable rate. Yeah. Like you would never say they're bad companies. Those people are definitely paying their bills and living all right. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, man, like in the beginning, we didn't have jack shit. Like we took out a five hundred five hundred dollar PayPal loan like that we had to beg for like (laughs) um and i was like yo if we can't pay this back we're fucked like we're not gonna be able to pay the rent you know like um it was bad dude like my credit was fucking destroyed from the band um we had a a van that was pretty much worthless to us now uh it, it was horrible like we had no money like we were literally like we had a dollar amount that we'd have to go in to make every single night at uh texas roadhouse like and be like, okay, like if you make this much and I make this much, we can maybe pay the car payment. Um, you know, like it, it sucked, man. Like there was no, uh, there was no one, anyone that I would have been like, this is my financial situation. They should, they would have all been like, you should not start a business. <laughs> but sometimes that, like I said, that's what forces you to grind. I, I love those things. I love like when we expanded, and you know, I you don't really know the whole story, but we expanded and then COVID hit and then a lot of things happen but it's like you know he's seen it like i love backing myself into a corner sometimes because i'm forced to grind mm-hmm. harder and go go further and i always come out the other end higher than i was before mm-hmm. so i i like that kind of stuff to push through um you know whenever i started the gym 
um, you know, I was getting kind of screwed by the guy I was working for. So I was like, I'm going to go out on my own. And it's like, um, I actually pulled this up because I wanted to bring it up. Um, and we don't have to like talk financial stuff or anything too much. But like, I pulled this up the first uh, six months of my business, I didn't pay myself at all. Year one, so a year and a half in, I paid myself $8,000 total from the business. Year two, um, so this is a full year. This would be on two and a half years into the business. Paid myself $9,700 that year. So I'm two and a half years into the business, and I've only taken 16000 from the business. But what I did was I took $42,000 out on a credit card, and I paid all of that down in 15 months. So I went debt free, you know, and obviously I covered my overhead because we didn't, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. shut down. But I made sure the business was debt free before I really started taking any money from it. You know, so it's like pushing through those times and I'm I'm sure you guys had that on startup too, like like you said, like you didn't have a ton of money or anything, so you have to start to decide, okay, do we take a little bit out of the business to start taking some some money from the business or do we just leave it in and keep growing, you know? Mm-hmm. And those yeah. are decisions everyone's got to make off the start. So, yeah, I didn't take. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to say this as accurate as I can. I don't think we took anything. I don't think we took a dollar from the business for like two and a half to three years. Mm-hmm. Like all zero, mm-hmm. zero money was going into my pocket. Uh, I think 2019 and 2020. So to, beginning of 2019, I competed at a powerlifting meet, and it was always and I had switched jobs to a supplement company because it was less demanding yeah. um, than working at the restaurant, and I made less money. So that was a little bit of a jump. Yeah. Um, but I started working at the supplement company, and I was able to be on my phone a lot more, so I could like help ritual and respond to stuff and get to stuff. Because at this time, like our phone was getting a little bit bigger, and communicating with people was getting um, a little harder. So, uh, yeah, so I did that and then I quit at the very beginning of 2019 and that was like the moment when Ritual started paying like my half of the bills and, uh, Molly had decided to go back to school at this moment. So she needed, um, to stay working at Texas Roadhouse in order and able to basically pay that. But uh, she actually got a better job at a better serving place around that time too. But yeah, man, I mean, like, I think a lot of people start businesses, right? And they just hope for the fucking best. It's like a, it's like a newbie powerlifter squats three fifteen, you know, in the first six months. And they're like, well, shit, <laughs> six more months, I'm gonna squat six hundred fucking pounds, you know? Like, yeah. it just doesn't really work like that. And honestly, like, we all know people who have to struggle a little bit more or a little harder. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so tired of like these companies that like seem to like sh- like shoot to the fucking top, like being the measure for what everyone else stands against, like. I, my favorite companies um, are the ones that have been around for the longest time. And they're, they're not nearly the biggest companies, but you know what they have over all those companies that shot to the top? Longevity, yeah. sustainability, ability to continue to grow, to continue yeah. to grow their culture and their branding. Like it's not so oversaturated so quickly that people get tired of it. It's something that's always going to be there, yeah. like reliable, like Dickies, Carhartt. Um, Vans is a really great example of a company like that. Like Mm -hmm. these people, none of these companies saw quote unquote overnight success. Yeah. Like I've heard interviews from people, um, and stuff like 
talking about like when Vans first come came around, like you couldn't pay someone to wear that shit. <laughs> like it was a weird shoe. Yeah. And uh, now look at it, man. It's like so immersive. Like it is completely saturated. Like the punk scene, it's completely saturated. The hip hop, hip hop culture, gym culture, skate yeah, culture. Like wearing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm like, like, I got them on my feet right now. Yeah, just like the um, we'll take like your industry, like in the apparel industry here. Um, I can say from what I've seen just in this general area, I mean, we're not going to name names or anything, but we could go down the list of companies that have came out and some people bought their stuff up at first. And now I don't even know if they exist. And this is just a couple of years later. Um, you know, I don't I don't even know if they're still in business or, you know, people that they just almost like copied other people's image and tried to like, you know, grow it this way. And it's like that that doesn't work you have to have your own original thing and you have to stick to it yeah i do i do on that just real quick not to interrupt you it's uh one thing i do want to say is i do feel like most people start as mimics and i don't really think there's there's any any problem with that like you sort of mimic someone else's voice until you find your own and i think that that's sort of like okay it's what you do when you don't know what else to do um you know and i think inevitably someone's going to call you out or you're going to realize it and you'll have that oh shit moment you know like yeah. but like you grow out of that you know i do yeah. think a lot of companies start as mimics that grow go on to be great companies i think in a lot of ways even ritual was a mimic of the things that were happening at the time but yeah man like fitness is notoriously bad for um shit shooting out into the fucking stratosphere yeah. and then disappearing yep. like mm-hmm. i feel like it's a it's a lot it's like apparel supplements hell even some people's training like some of these big powerlifting coaches from a couple of years ago i don't even know where they're uh, do you have clients now or not you know what i mean so it's like uh, while growth is great and you know everything but you have to keep it in perspective like it's like you said a longevity game i i mean i'm sure you feel the same way like i hope to still be in business 10 years from now you know 15 oh, years from yeah. now and it's like a lot of people they have that short-term outlook like oh my god we we're growing so much in three years well like that's you're still it's just the beginning how we're we're on five what five and a half years we're still a baby mm-hmm. you know we're still we're still growing so i get i get kind of sick of seeing it where people everyone wants to be an entrepreneur or not but no no one knows what it actually takes to be right. an entrepreneur you know i it's think something, uh it's like something i touched on in that status uh it's like just walking a tightrope with no net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur is scary as fuck, bro. Yep. Like yeah. it's uh you're constantly like you don't know what tomorrow looks like, you yeah. know? Like Yeah, I've sorry. gotten in like little kind of little arguments with like some of my friends I have nine to fives and stuff. Like you know, they think like, Oh, you own your own business, like you can just set your own hours and do whatever you want. Like, nah. It's not you you know, it's right. not the way it works. Now, sure, if I want to plan a trip or a vacation or if i want to take a day once in a while check the schedule if it's clear okay cool you know yes i can set when i eat lunch that day most days do you know what i mean like little things like that but you know you get off your nine to five for most people and they're out of sight out of mind they don't think about work till they show up the next day you know and it's like whereas us it's like you could get an email coming through, 10 emails coming through on one of your, your drops are at like 8 p.m. usually, right, or something, or? 12 p.m. 12 p.m. So, it doesn't matter. They come all the time. You know what I mean? Like, you could, but you could get blasted with emails that keep you up till 10 at night trying to keep up, you know? It's like um, something could go wrong at any minute. You know, you could have woken up this morning to a complete 
shit show and we wouldn't have been able to do this because you would have been so busy you know so it's like a lot of people don't get that like you're you're it's not a nine to five it's two separate things completely different but i want to come back to something that you mentioned uh and there's a couple things kind of all wrapped up into it and you said that most people start out by mimicking which i completely agree with like you kind of go with what you know and what you know is what you see because you're starting off brand new but the people that tend to fizzle out or just disappear are the ones that don't have anything authentic to begin with to kind of turn that mimicry into their own. I mean, you look at the history that you had with your band. You clearly know how to like persevere. Like you did that for what did you say, seven years? Yes. So you're in a band for seven years. It's not taking off the way that you want it to, but you're like, no, I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna try to make it work. You could have done the exact same thing with ritual. And we're like, we're making shirts. I'm gonna make this work. But when you started talking about it, you said, no, I wanted to make this my own. I wanted to do it my way. And like something really resonated with you about that. And not to assume anything, but from the way that you talked about it, that sounded very personal and very authentic. And when you take that and you can turn it into something that kind of transcends mimicry, like those are the people that last. It doesn't have to grow into something enormous, but those are the people that, like you said, Carhartt, Vans, these companies that have found a way to make things their own, and they stand the test yeah. of time. Well, it's yeah, good good branding, and then also good, I mean, good quality. Mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. like every brand you're saying is like I just think of the quality of like whatever they're in. You right. know what I mean? Carhartt, like it was 20 degrees out. I'm chopping down trees and I'm warm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, I wanted to ask because you mentioned being in charge of some of the album artwork and how that kind of translated over to the t-shirt creation albums like in my experience with buying music like that has to be incredibly difficult to say this is it like this is the one thing that people are going to see every single time that they play this album like i mean i have cds from 20 years ago and i know that album based on the artwork Mm-hmm. It, does, it doesn't matter if it's something incredibly simple like Weezer Blue Album like it's Ugh, nothing but one. that but do you ever feel or did you ever feel like you got trapped in that when it came to the t-shirt where it's like it's got to be perfect it's got to be exactly this one thing and if you didn't uh, like how did you escape that um alright well well, first I want to touch on the, the thing that you said about uh, like mimicking and all that stuff I completely agree with uh, everything you said, you know, I think that a lot of it comes down to like, you know, what all are we? We're collections of the our own experiences, the things that we like, and the things, um, you know, that we're interested in. Like the clothes that you decided to put on your body today. Like in in some way, like if there's an influence there somewhere. Like you once saw someone who dressed like that and you liked it, and now you do it. Um, I think what it really is is like you can admire something and and respect its need to exist um, while not wanting to be it. Yeah. You understand what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, I think the companies that fail and just become copies of another, of another thing, and that can be, fuck, that can be any area. That can be gyms, that can be apparel, that can be shoes, that can be, you know, any kind of business, like modeling plans and stuff like this. Like, you just have to find your own path. You can like the same things. You can 
appreciate the same things, come from the same cultures, all of those things. But the reality of it is, is you are an individual, whether or not we like it or not, we will never be anyone else than who we are. So creating that, your unique version of who you are, the thing you do should speak to the uniqueness of who you are as an individual. I think that's very hard to figure out in the beginning. Yeah. But I think inevitably the companies that last are the ones that are able to give themselves a unique identity that may be a collection um, of the cultures that they appreciate, but are inevitably uniquely them. And I think Ritual succeeded at that. I think the companies like Car- Carhartt and you know Vans, as I said, they definitely succeeded at that. But like to be honest, none of those companies that I mentioned are doing anything like particularly new. Their just identity is very unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to answer your question, uh, I'm fucking crazy, dude. So like, yeah, I'm like that about everything. Uh, like I, yeah, doing merch designs, um, merch designs for the band and the album. Like, yeah, I was insane. I, I painted, um, for our last album cover, I painted like 16 paintings. Oh, damn. Uh, and I hand drew all the font for the lyrics, uh, mm-hmm. on the insert, on the insert of the 12 inch final. Um, there was a paint on a, onto a painting. I took all the paintings like into the computer, had them scanned in and like redoctored them and made sure they would be printed well. Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm insane with that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a big perfectionist with, uh, details and little things like that. I'm probably more so than is like necessary. Um, but yeah, I, I'm big on consistency and I'm big on identity. Like I want like every single ritual drop. If you've, uh, you notice is there's a theme to it like um Mm -hmm. all the stuff is sort of meant to go together um and there's been a few where it's just like certain things came in at certain times and i can't tell you how crazy as fuck that drives me um when something like it could be the smallest thing it could be like our drop is so cohesive but there's this water bottle on it and i'm like well the water bottle doesn't (laughs) fucking go there and we're like well we gotta put the water bottle out dude and i'm like well i fucking don't want it like (laughs) you know i don't know but yeah i get um I'm very, very particular like that. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I think in some ways it's probably helped, but in as many ways it's uh, probably uh, not helped. I was just talking to my friend uh, Tony the other day about like posting and all that stuff and like uh, like the kind of like marketing strategies or anything like that. And it's just like, yeah, I, I'm so crazy with that stuff, man. Like I am, um, what's funny is in a lot of ways in my life, I'm like the most carefree like funny wild ass person like i'm like definitely like i'm the dude that will jump you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i uh, i definitely like enjoy humor and it's like but when you put me in front of the things that i'm like passionate about i am very very unforgiving about them mm-hmm. like it is going to be done this way unless you can prove to me without a doubt that it should be done another way yeah it's, uh, sounds like yeah sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> i um yeah, you know, I think mine comes like in that sense comes from like when I was in the military. I just know um, a certain way of I like things to be done, mm-hmm. and like you said, until it's proven wrong, you know, not to say I'm never wrong, but like, you know, for years we've had people that come in. Sometimes like it'll be a coach that'll be like, "Well, we should do this. We should do that." And I tell them like, "These are the statistics. This is what will happen. Mm-hmm. And if we do this, though, this will happen as long as everyone does their part." things like that but you know not to say like I- i'm never wrong but i'm i'm usually right mm-hmm. in the direction that we're gonna go 
Um, so I, I, I kind of get all that and, and understand that there. One question I had, you know, being in the, the apparel business, you said each one is like themed and things like that. Do you ever see, I don't want to say, a, a, do you see trends, I guess I should say is the right word, like, okay, these people might love this drop that came out, but then these people like this drop, like I don't know how it, how tr- well tracked everything is, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, cause I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, like with the apparel companies I like, they might drop something and be like, eh, I don't really like that one too much. And it's like, not that I don't support that business. I just, that's not my preference this time. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't buy as much or maybe, you know, or I just can't fucking buy it at the time. You know what I mean? But yeah. do, you, do you guys track trends like that? Do you see things like that or? Um, I would say that that's definitely like Molly and I's job. So it's weird because Molly and I are uniquely suited to do this because we have both always uh, cared about fashion, right? Mm-hmm. So when you give a shit about fashion and you follow those things and you see the way the trends sort of break down and then delineate and then come back with like a different thing and like all these things sort of happen, um, you know, really under the radar and really unnoticeably. Like, about a couple of years ago, like we were having this conversation, I think it was like maybe the first time we did uh, joggers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I really think that like baggy pants, you know, they're like sort of on their way back. Like that's going to be a thing we're going to see over the next couple of years. And then it's just like Molly and I are really, really good at picking up on things like right before they happen. Like mm-hmm. we're really good at having that sense of like this is bubbling to the surface right now. Um, and that's part of your job. Like as an apparel company, like these are things that you should be keeping an eye on. Now, here's a little bit of an interesting fact, though. Fitness apparel and powerlifting is about three steps behind what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. So powerlifters look fucking terrible. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, like... As far as like the greater sense of fashion and what's going on, powerlifters, they're going to be the last ones to mm-hmm. um, ever pick it up. Um, so like it's always been my – like I've always felt like it's my responsibility to – and this is really fucking crazy. I promise it's not arrogance. It's just like one of those things that's like it makes me want to keep doing it because like – I believe that powerlifting has that like skateboard culture in the 90s allure. Mm. Like – so, like, in the 90s, like, no one gave a shit about skateboarding until people were like, oh, man, skateboarders are cool, man. They look kind of yeah. cool. There's mm-hmm. this whole, like, baggy clothes, Everyone like, hip-hop, yeah. punk rock vibe, you know. And it slowly started to get integrated into cool fashion culture. And then all of a sudden, you've got people who've never been on a skateboard dressing like they're on a skateboard. Yeah. They've been on a skateboard. So it's always sort of been my goal to like improve the overall look of powerlifting to the point where someone who isn't a powerlifter wants to look like a powerlifter because the better our culture looks, the more attention it's going to get, the more money gets led into this entire thing. And the more we can have things like, I don't know, real life fucking athletes, like real sponsored athletes actually making their living doing this sport. We give our bodies and health to, yeah. Um, so that's that's been a goal because I give a shit about powerlifting, man. Um, I really do. And um, as far as trends coming and going, like you got to know who your identity is. Like, it, let's say that like it's like um, pink is the new trendy color. Like, 
okay, I know we're not going to jump on that trend because like that <laughs> has nothing to do with us. You know, like uh, I, I, we're just going to miss this one. You know, and you sort of make these decisions like I see this is happening, but we're just going to not, you know, um, because this isn't really a part of our identity. So like as long as you have a strong sense of who you are and your identity, um, you should be able to like pick up on these things as they come. And this is not just specific to apparel. Trends happen in almost every single industry. So like just sort of like keep a lid and an idea of like who you are, like everything you do, do it when you look in the mirror. That's more metaphorical than it is physical. Don't, that's weird. Don't actually do that. Uh, but like know who you are, um, you know, when you're making these decisions, just constantly remind yourself like, Hey, this is who I am. I have a strong sense of like who this brand is because ritual man is, it's not just for me. It's not for Molly. It's for the people. Like, I mean, like the people are the most important aspect of this brand. I mean, like, uh, you know, Lindsay is an athlete for ritual. Like that matters so much to me. Like I, I, people depend on us. We, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, like I couldn't make a decision that I felt like fractured our identity in any way. One thing I've noticed with, um, with you guys that I like and just you know I follow a lot of the athletes and you know communicate with some of them and things is I like that the way you guys communicate and treat the athletes but then like also you uh, I've seen this a lot over the years and it, it just irritates me you guys don't like you don't drop them off for for the smallest reason or just like um, if you do happen to drop them i'm sure you're still communicative you know what i mean things like that i don't know if you've ever dropped an athlete i'm just saying but like you guys treat your athletes a little bit different like you don't completely like some brands will treat you like they almost own you mm-hmm. you know what i mean and um i know other brands it's like oh hey like you're not making as much of a um appearance anymore so we'll just drop you off and i understand like your guys' stuff is is highly based around like you know, people need to see it, obviously, you know what I mean? So it's understandable, but, uh, for just, you know, from a thing for me to you, uh, it's nice to see that, how you guys treat people and, and everything too. Cause you can tell you generally actually care about them, which is nice. So, yeah, man, I mean, people are valuable. I mean, like I, I love people and I, like, I don't know, man, like I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, like Lindsay's training up or changing up her training and like doing these things and she was respectful enough to like message me mm-hmm. and like talk to me about it and i'm like yeah dude of course like you're still welcome on the team like yeah you know like i mean i will say like there is obviously things where it's just like okay like if you're gonna stop using social media yeah. and oh, you're gonna yeah. like you know dip out and all that yeah. stuff like yeah man like probably several relationship until you get whatever is figured out is yeah. going on um because that's a big way that we you know grow and shit so like it's not all about growth you know and i think that too many brands like focus on that like they're like oh just growth i just need i just need growth growth Mm. growth growth we need need more athletes and the athletes that aren't doing as good is that it we gotta just grow some chase the followers too i'll notice yeah companies will chase the followers rather than the person if that makes sense like they'll chase how many people they um that follow them so they have more brand awareness rather than like i know you know it's probably a group effort there but rather than the person because there's some pieces of shit with huge followings that i would never associate with you know so i mean that number is like it's literally numeric confirmation bias like Mm -hmm. that many people think you're cool 
That's what yeah. that number says. Yeah, no one thinks I'm that... cool. <laughs> Me and Dane, no one thinks we're cool. So. Nothing. Um, but it is it is kind of funny because a lot of the smartest people I know um, in this industry, I know a ton of smart people with small followings. You know, Dan Bell, I mean, granted, he's a little bit older. I mean, he's one of the best weightlifting coaches in the country. And what's his page have? Maybe 1,300, 1,400 followers? I don't think even that much. If, yeah, if, if yeah. that. You know what I mean? But if he, if he walks into a weightlifting uh, meet somewhere, everyone knows who he is. You know, and like in Ohio, like he's the fucking man. Like mm-hmm. you come to Dan Bell if you're a serious weightlifter. Is, that is how it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, the reason I say it is because I've noticed this trend, especially in the young generation, where at all costs, they're about getting their followers up. They will sell out. They will not be themselves. They will lie on social media. They will do anything they can to build up their personal brand, mm-hmm. um, you know, or build their social media. And then they just try to pile junk on to get you to buy into it after that. Instead of actually just, just be yourself, build yourself, and watch what happens. And like I posted not long ago, it's like I understand some industries are more susceptible to the social media game. But, I mean, if you don't have social media, then your business is going to take a hit. I mean, that's just the way it is. You have to drive social media. I understand that. But people push. some people push too far into social media and don't push enough outside of social media. So in retrospect, they're actually not gaining anything, you know, and they're not growing outside of their social media following that may or may not go up and down. Mm-hmm. And if you can grow yourself here, once you jump, once you get your social media up, now you're on both ends of it. And that's where real growth comes into play, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people. So I guess, you know, it depends a little bit what industry you're in, but. I think it comes yeah, back to part to oh, talk about ahead. the authenticity yet again. It's like, you know how you would want to be treated in this type of situation. And, you know, from that, you know how you want to treat any athletes that are associated with you. And maybe that doesn't turn into, like, that numerical growth as much as someone else that uh, we talked about. But at the same time, once again, what does it provide? Longevity. Athletes will want to stay with you. They will want to Mm -hmm. be with someone who respects them cares about them is willing to have a conversation like you did with Lindsay, where she was willing to reach out and say hey i'm changing up what i'm doing and i'm going to give you the you know the time day and the respect to let you know that and what do you do you're like yeah you're still a part of the team yeah. and like that that will last that will be something that gets talked about you know clearly like we're talking about it right now you know she'll say that to someone else if anybody ever reaches out and asks Lindsay and say hey um you know ritual apparel uh, asked if I would want to be part of the team. You, you're with them. What would you say? She has nothing but good things to say now, mm-hmm. and that is so much more valuable than taking advantage of somebody just so you can grow a following or increase your numbers. Well, one hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't agree more to that. I mean, I will say, like, you know, it's a company. People are going to come and people are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it hurts, you know, when people leave. Uh, but, you know, especially when you try and care so much, I think that's, if I have a downfall, it's like definitely that. Like I definitely get attached to the people that become a part of it. Um, just because like, I'm definitely like uh, trying to find, I try to think the word, like I'm like very pack protective. Like I'm like, okay, the ritual people, this is my pack. And I like, I wanna protect them and I wanna like be involved in their lives and I wanna like uh, do everything I can. and 
you know, but you know, some people, they just outgrow it, you know, and they want to do, they want to do something else or they, you know, whatever it may be like, um, and that's fine. Like my, my goal with ritual is like anyone that is a part of it on the inside, like as an athlete or a person working for us on the business side, it's like, yo, if you are leaving with more skills and better and more knowledgeable about what's going on, then like, fuck yeah. Like if you're leaving ritual better than you came in, fuck yeah, that's all I ever wanted. That's all I could ever want. Like, um, I give a shit about integrity and I give a shit about people and, um, yeah, man. Like, I don't know. That's just the way I'm always going to do business. Uh, I will never do it another way. I don't give a shit the dollar amount that's on the table. So my stepdad owns a law firm in Pennsylvania, and I've talked to him I don't know how many times about all the things that come up in the first couple of years of business. And one of the things he has said over and over and over again is do it right, the money will come. It's not about chasing income and like just trying to keep driving how much money you'll be able to make. And it's like, what answers that question of what does it mean to do it right? And in this case, like you said, it's taking care of the people who are part of that. It's making sure that they're leaving with more than what they came in with. And when an outside eye, you know, coming back to what, you know, Justin, you were saying earlier, where like people who work a nine to five, they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And they would say like, oh, you don't like to make money. The money will come yeah. because it's not about that. Like that is a byproduct. That is a, a result it's of actually, doing uh, it right. It's actually one of our questions. We should we should get on uh, this question then while we're here. Um, Look at that lead in. Yeah. Dude, me too. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. One of the questions was, uh, what's the biggest thing about owning a business that people assume and isn't true? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – which – where do I Damn. start? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, I think that probably the biggest thing that people assume is uh, stuff we've already touched on, like do whatever the fuck I want all the time, you know, because I don't really post like me working in front of my computer for hours or like mm-hmm. reading or learning. You know, I think uh, people probably think that I'm just like living my fucking life, like living my best life, you know, playing Kendama and yeah. you know doing uh, – <laughs> doing a bunch of stupid shit all the time like working out but like you don't see the like hours in front of my computer and like hours we spend taking one photo for Mm -hmm. one post or the endless rung of conversations that happen about direction and all these things that are happening um but you know i think that i think that perception is a big thing like if i had to pick one thing that i think a lot of people uh non-personal to me I think that people think that you, when you start a business, you either got that it factor or you don't have that it factor. And I think the reality is, like, yeah, if you're like hella solid, like Instagram following, your four way into business is going to probably be a little easier um, than most people's, you know, or you're really fucking strong and you have like a giant following, you know, like whatever it is, those things can maybe ease your way in. But Honestly, volume in the beginning when you're not smart enough or equipped enough to handle it can be just as detrimental as not having that volume. Yeah. So I think that there is no fucking it factor. Just work harder. <laughs> Learn more. Work harder. If there's no it factor, you don't have it or don't have it. It's not like a big dick or small dick. <laughs> <laughs> can we put that as a title for the show? <laughs> That's going to be a great thing. Um, but, uh, you, you could go next on a question. 
someone wrote in and said, what are some of your tips for time management when it comes to business lifting uh, and just kind of life in general? Oh, God. Um, you know, you asked me this like a couple of years ago, I would have been like structure for sure. Yes, this structure, structure, always structure, you know, plan out your day, uh, make a time blocking schedule. I, I don't do any of that shit anymore. It's all fucking chaos. Like, <laughs> Uh, to be honest, man, like I do, I just put out fires. Like I learned that, uh, that saying from Jordan from bacon and barbells is like, that's how he looks at his day. He just wakes up and starts putting out fires. Mm-hmm. That's like the truest thing that anyone can ever say. Like, I think a lot of people do thrive in very structured environments. And if you are one of those people, of course, like make lists, you know, time block out, know what you're doing with your day. Um, but no, man, like I can complete and utter fucking chaos like i know what needs to get done and i get it done in the order in which i do it now i'm not a procrastinator so like i will immediately attack the things on my list and get them done but like it it really depends on your personality type like if you're not a type type a person like time blocking isn't going to work for you um i wouldn't consider myself not a type a person i am just so rebellious that i will like start to get mad at my own list and i'll be like fuck that list like (laughs) I'm not going to do this shit. Yeah. So I just like, I just put out fires as I can, you know, like I will start my day and I'll be like, this is, uh, this is, uh, the biggest thing I have to do today. So I'm going to get this as, as done as soon as I can, or I'll at least be like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym around this time. I know. So like, this is going to be saved for after the gym. Like today I have your guys's podcast. I have my podcast. I have a photo shoot and I have to train because I'm two weeks out. And all those stuff, I just all that stuff, I just sort of let it fall where it was going to fall, and then I made it work around it. Like I don't like have that written down. I'm not like using Apple Calendar. Like I don't know, man. I think people like <laughs> give too much shit. Like if you're gonna, if you're a productive person, you're going to be yeah. productive. Like this, all this like structure your day and follow your routine and what, mm-hmm. dude, you're still you make um, adaptable when you do that. And that's what I found when I was doing it. Things would happen, opportunities even, where people would be like. Hey man, do you want to go do this? It can be beneficial for this, this, and this reason. I'm like, oh no, my schedule's already set for that day. What? Like, that's so fucking stupid. Like, what? What is your schedule? Like, that means fucking nothing. If this is an opportunity, fucking take it. Accept the chaos. Like, just move. I so yeah. Sorry, that's something I get a little because I like totally believe. Like, you listen to some earlier ritual podcast episodes about mm-hmm. that. Like. I totally believed in the whole structure and routine thing, but the more and more opportunities I missed because of that structure and routine kills me. Yep. We could go through a whole podcast on the opportunity thing. I yeah. think we did. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> we did, we did. Do one on that. Uh, young, young Jen, that <laughs> one's out to you. Um, I had kind of a funny one. I think this is supposed to be funny. Alexis wants to know what you think DIY means. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Okay. I don't know. That, is that like an inside joke? Is there something there? Or... No, I have no fucking idea why she asked that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's uh, Alexis Sisherman? Yeah. Alexis, you're fucking weird. Why the fuck would you ask? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, did you have any other uh, questions coming in? Yeah. What do you hope that you know for your business in five to ten years? Say that again. What do you hope that you know for your business in five to ten years? So, like, to give it some context or to help you out with it, when uh, you were just talking, actually, like right now, like if I had asked you a couple years ago, it would be like time management, routine, structure. 
So when you look back, you know, say two, three, four, five years, like that's your perspective on that. What kind of perspective do you hope you have, say five to 10 years from now, looking back to right now? That I wasn't, okay, so five years from now, I hope I'm looking back on right now and being like, oh man, I thought I was working hard then. Like I, I, I don't know, man, because like the more and more that I've done this, it's like I keep finding like new levels at which I can operate. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it's hard. Leveling up. Yep. Yeah, I think it's hard, and then it just gets harder. And you know, you're looking back on when it was hard, and you're like, "Fuck." That was that was, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. bad. Yep. We, yeah, we, I'll take uh, that again in a heartbeat. We had that in one of the podcasts talking about mm-hmm. le- like I call it leveling up where it's like it was the new normal I think one where it's like that becomes your new normal just to operate at that level so you're able then to level up later and take on even more and then that becomes the new normal and that's what I've seen in business and just my own personal growth is like if you go back 10 years I'm like fuck I wasn't doing anything you Mm -hmm. know it's like even off the start it's like the what I'm capable now of and you know whenever I do get pushed to move into things it's crazy what mm-hmm. I can get done so yeah that's uh that's real I think that every like business owner is like constantly trying to like move up and like completely c- constantly progress like their day-to-day tasks how they do them and how well they do them mm-hmm. I think that you inevitably get to that point because you're never afraid to take on new challenges because you know that you can find a way to do them yeah, like yeah. I was talking to Molly my wife not long ago about how like it's crazy all the like dumb fucking skills I've accumulated during this like yeah I had no idea how to edit videos, podcasts, uh, edit pictures, or all the shit that I know how to do now and all the different programs I know how to work just to, like, do the basic ritual tasks that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, fuck, we could charge a college course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably should come out with that next. A ritual <laughs> business course, $1,000. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we, we shouldn't knock anyone that... That one Insta girl, Lindsay always talks about her. She's got like a become an entrepreneur course. And I forget how many thousands of dollars it is just for a weekend. It's like, Dude, people pay ridiculous crazy. amounts of money for that shit. For like to go to like basically how to start your online business course. So, how many people have started easy. successful businesses because of those? Okay. I want to know that. Yeah, I want to know the stats of how many people have paid and how many have actually like seen substantial growth mm-hmm. from it. Not that seeking outside knowledge or perspective is bad. Like, I wouldn't want to knock that. And, you know, maybe she does know what she's talking about. But I feel like people like that are always looking for motivation, you know. It's like Mm -hmm. if it's not internal, bro, you just don't got it. Like, if you need the security blanket of someone telling you exactly how to do it, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like I I really like, you know, I I like a lot of, like, motivational speakers. I I just like listening because I like people's passion and things. So the ones that are, like, kind of real, I like to listen to them. Like David Goggins, like, that's kind of the big big thing over the last year <clears throat> it's like david goggins has always been like that you know yeah. one two like you can listen to his shit all day if it doesn't mean you're gonna go out and be like that right. you have to actually apply yeah. those things if you're not applying it then it's just you're just listening to something mm-hmm. well, i tell this so. to people all the time like i get a big question i get asked a lot is like recommended reading mm-hmm. and like you know you can read the thing about reading 20 self-help books is they all sort of find this odd way to say the same five things in yeah, different yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, like I get I get off way more on like listening to business owners talk um, mm-hmm. as far as like inspiration. You know, like I'm a big fan of $180 in a Dream. Uh, it's Danny Dixon from Dixon Flannels podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I used to really enjoy Andy Priscilla from First Forms podcast, but then it got all weird and political. And uh, yeah, he went he went straight into politics. Yeah, politics. and I'm just like I don't care about your political opinion, yeah. like at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a couple things like that. I really enjoy those things, and I I also just like reading interesting books. Like I think that. Um, like I'm reading one right now that I like disagree with a lot of the things that I've read in it already. It's called something like 48 laws of power or some shit. Um, Uh, Robert Greene. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I like it. It's really cool. I enjoy the perspective of it a lot, you know? Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with everything. And I think like, as you progress more like as a reader or as a seeker of information, you tend to like start to like wanting to challenge your own opinions, like wanting to challenge yourself um, because you want to know how the other side thinks, you know. I also found that I I have like ten books that I will keep coming back to. That yeah, yeah there are you know a hundred other books that basically all say the same thing, but it's something about those ten that they just they resonate a little more or they sink home just a little better. But there is always another thing in there to learn once I'm at a different stage in life. So yeah, you know, I agree I can, to that completely. You go out and you read another 50 like motivational speakers and you're like, oh, they all say the same thing. But for some reason you come back around, like I said, maybe like to David Goggins and you read it again and you're at a different point in your life or you're ready for that next lesson that you didn't hear before, you didn't pick up on before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just by chance, one question, like were those the first books that introduced you to maybe the ideas of those things? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't read a lot of self-help shit. I've, I've just never I am my own self <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. I just the reason is the military background like you know I've read um, like Jocko's books I've read The Lone Survivor and I've read you know and listened to like David Goggins book is like those kind of things relate to me just because like I've been in that world before you know what I mean mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. but um, I don't I don't really dive into the whole like so I maybe I should Self-help books, business books, things like that. I probably should. Fuck, probably missing out. But I've just the always more business and less self-help tends to be yeah better. The self-help stuff is like made to sell to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I just like you know. I sometimes when I'm warming up, I like to listen to like um, I used to listen to a lot of like Eric Thomas or something while I was warming up, or like sometimes David Goggins. Like I don't know if you ever do this, but pop some of those people like the, the I have some saved on my phone pop them in your your headphones whenever you're warming up and tell me that you actually don't get a little bit motivated and like yeah. fuck yeah I'm about to kill this workout you know it's, it's, sometimes it does help you know but the majority um, of the books that I got into originally they were all like around the idea of like education or learning uh, with coaching or there's like the the little book of talent or talent is overrated mm-hmm. that talked a lot outliers um, they talked about like, the 10,000 hour rule like that was my introduction to that kind mm-hmm. of thing where it was kind of self-help, but it was more about the research behind like, the application of some of these things as opposed to like, here are the 10 yeah. principles that you should do every day in your life and make sure that you meditate and do this yeah. routine. Because um, yeah, all of those like, are all the same. That, those things are always more practical to me than like the four-hour work week or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck it is, you know? Or whatever book with that's bright orange and has fuck in the title that's supposed to teach you how to <laughs> be happier. Um. Like he said, I, I always like to just listen to business owners I talk to or, like, people in real life. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people will look at, like, these famous people or these, you know, big books come out, big motivational speakers, all that shit. You probably have someone that's saying the same shit or been through 
that or worse mm-hmm. right around you. You know, and it's like we forget to look local and we look national all the time instead yeah. of like there's people right around you. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Just open your eyes and ears. So. Yeah, for sure. I agree to that. Definitely some of the more impactful conversations I've had have been directly with people. But also, you know, it's a little difficult because like one thing about running a business, which I'm sure you guys have found out, is that everyone kind of thinks they can do it better than you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know if you guys have experienced that at all. It's like everyone in my family or people that are just like outside of like my normal everyday friend group or whatever. It's like they always got some piece of like glorious advice. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know what you should do. Yeah. Please go ahead. Tell me. (laughs) I think like I've been, I've listened to a lot of guys that are like, that I know that are in their Mm fifties and been in it you know, had businesses for 20, 25 years now mm-hmm. or took over a family business. Um, you know, guys that like, like Lindsay's dad started steel industry, like 15 years old. He's in his fifties now. And he's like big wig at some company or mm-hmm. part of, I don't even know what he does. He just, he is what it is. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, th- those are like mentors to me cause they've been there. You know what I mean? They've managed big companies or they have developed you know, big companies. So it's like that. Those are the people I like to pick, even if they're not, none of them are in this field, you know, but you can always kind of pick on, on something. But, um, they understand it on a level though, that most people can't. Exactly. One, uh, one question that we did have too is what's like the most outrageous thing or like dumbest thing, maybe an email from an, uh, a customer who doesn't get it or, like, what's the most outrageous thing you've dealt with? Uh, if, oh, like, God. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you got stories like all of us. Oh, uh, man. I, I don't want to say because it, it was super recent. Uh, I got one that happened yesterday. I'll tell it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> all right. This, yeah, go for it. This kid, so he, we have our agreement that everyone signs. It is plain as day for the gym that you need to cancel uh, 30 days prior to anything, obviously, like any other gym. Um, it's month to month billing. He's not locked in for six months. Nothing like that. It's clear as day in our contract. You actually signed for this like three times. So to kind of quickly go through the story, kid emails five days after billing. So billing's on the first. He, he emailed on February 5th and said, hey, can you not charge me this month? I'm in whatever state and I won't be back um, for a couple more weeks. Okay, one you're telling that five days after your billing was due, so you're already late, you're getting the emails that your account is not drawing, so there's that, and you blatantly ignored that. You know, two, again, we have that policy. Mm-hmm. So he blatantly like ignores our manager's email that says like all those things I just said, and he emails again, because his charge finally went through, and he was like, why did I get charged this month? Because I told you not to charge me this month. Are you, are you fucking serious? So I had to write out this long email to him explaining everything once again. I told him flat out, like, in my 20 years inside of gyms, I've never known a gym that you can just email after billing supposed to be already gone through and say, hey, don't charge me this month. I'm not in town. Like, you don't call your cable company and say, hey, don't charge me this month or your utility bills. Like, doesn't work that way. So It's like, how have you survived this long? Yeah, yeah, it's these young kids. It's honestly like this 19, 20, 21 year old group that's coming up. They like literally don't have a clue on life, and it's it's wild. So, I mean, we get ridiculous emails like this 
all the fucking time. Like we have, so this is something that happens really commonly. So I'm not, this is not me calling anyone directly out. So a little comfortable. Okay. One ritual goes like 100%. If there's any problem, like we will cover it. Like for every single person that emails us, like there is like the dumbest problem with your shit. We will replace it. Mm -hmm. We'll allow you to keep the old version. You pay no shipping. Like, we go 200% for everyone because we actually give a shit about everyone, like, have their ritual experience being, like, 100% satisfactory. Mm -hmm. Problem with being that way, though, is people kind of sometimes take advantage of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, a a fairly common thing that happens because uh, our stuff sells out so quick, someone won't know what size to order, so they'll order both and then try to return it. Oh. And with like a direct a DTC, like direct to consumer business, who mm. that's like all based on e-commerce. That's like a lot of shipping, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. for your con, you know, for your convenience. And like, um, I just am gonna hope that he doesn't listen to this podcast. This is the most. This is the one that like we got recently that just killed me. This guy. Um, so you guys have all had gym shorts, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got like four of them. <laughs> yeah. And you know that gym shorts have a drawstring. Oh, I thought you meant his gym shorts. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know you have the camo one. See, this is actually what this is about. Yeah. So, um, gym shorts typically have a drawstring. Now, there are a few companies like Champion uh, Mm. that will sew the drawstring drawstring into the shorts. But in most cases, most gym shorts, that drawstring, um, if you don't tie it, will come out. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. has happened to like every pair of gym shorts I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy lost his drawstring and sent us like four messages about if there's anything we can do about it. Like if there's any kind of replacement or uh, anything like that. Like, and I'm like, dude, have you never had gym shorts before? Like, <laughs> is this your only pair of gym shorts? Like, like I mean, I, I, the only brands i really wear under armor in yours so um now it's like every but yeah i've I've had nikes and everything mm-hmm. else before too like yeah that's common sense but and we've all done it like we've all had the pair of shorts that we mess up and the jawstring yeah comes like you out did like, that when oh, you were like 12 no. you know what i mean yeah because you know exactly yeah, what it means like, like i feel like you have the hanger you know pushing <laughs> yeah. the jawstring through the thing yeah try like to, yeah try to get it in there yep Happens with hoodies. Happens, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, the hoodies kill me. Yeah, gotta do it. But yeah, that's just yeah. tie the drawstring, homie. Like, yeah. well, it's a, well, I it, think he lost it. I think he like straight up lost it. Yeah. What's well, amazing yeah. too, people don't understand. Like, one, like I understand customer service. We're you know we're a hundred percent about too. Honestly, like that kid I I gave out. Like I told him, had you let us know in advance, we probably we would have a helped you out in some way Mm -hmm. you know what i mean maybe we would have charged you this month and like worked out something for the future you know i I don't know i'm not gonna say what i what i would or wouldn't do but it's like be responsible you know and maybe we'll do something but like i try to cater to people and things but sometimes people want above and beyond they don't understand the costs of that like okay so you want something sent back or refunded or whatever that's costing me time money all this for something that is i mean blatantly it's your fault it's not the company's fault do you know what i mean so it's one of those things that like especially early on i feel like with customer service you're like 
shit. Like, because it, it becomes one of the things like, okay, do we cater to this person, which we shouldn't, or, or do we just eat it and just go with it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And a lot of people don't, don't understand with small businesses. Like, you can't eat it and just go with it because what if, what if there's 20 others like that and all of a sudden your costs are way up, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, I don't think, like, if a, if, a, if a poor quality product comes out, like, yeah, man, like, the company should take care of it no matter how big or small mm-hmm. it is. But this is the question. Would that dude have taken his shorts back to Kohl's? Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think he would have. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have messaged Kohl's. You know, like I don't yeah. think he would have. Like, I don't think he would have been like, "Hey, I'd like to return these sh- shorts." The drawstring fell out. Yeah. What's well, like? We got uh, Lindsay got me a pair of sweatpants. I forget where they're from, but they shipped them, and like I was putting them on, I reached my pockets. And they didn't sew up the one pocket. <laughs> so I think it was like the right pocket. My arm just went through. I'm like, the pocket's not there. <laughs> so she, you know, she sent it back or whatever, and they replaced it. But like stuff like that, okay. Like, um, but like my ritual shorts, there was a pair. Now, mind you, like I said, I have four pairs of ritual shorts. And, you know, I know I abuse things a little bit, and I put a hole in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back to Tim and say, hey, you should replace these because mm-hmm. I put a hole in my own pocket. No, and sewed that shit up, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like if you don't know how to take care of something or you abuse something, that's like, you know, going out and, like, getting your car detailed and going and trashing it and being like, why isn't my car still cleaned? You know, it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest, man, like, this is, like, something I really struggle with because I want everything that Ritual makes to be good for 10 years. Like, Mm -hmm. that is my goal, and I want that. But I also can't account for, like, how a person wears. Like, me personally, as a human being, like, I'm very, very hard on clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, Hard on shoes, I'm hard on clothes. That's why I gave up my sneakerhead phase uh, is because I will just destroy these, like, $300 shoes so quick. But... I, I it's it's very very important to me and when someone is like dissatisfied in any way like even the guy who I'm talking about like I was like okay like what can we do I think I sent him a discount code still mm-hmm. like I I hate anyone being dissatisfied in anything like dude I promise you in all of the powerlifting fitness communities we put 20 times more effort into everything we put out than anyone else like mm-hmm. our cut and sew section is like me and Molly's passion project, like every, like the hoodies that we put up, the box logo, um, it's like, dude, I literally sourced, me and Molly literally sourced like every single thing that we liked about every hoodie that we could find. We did everything we possibly could. Like we talked about different print making. There is an embroidery, there's embroidery and screen printing and so in tags on those, like mm. with, a crazy unique combination of fabrics and stuff like this is stuff that i care about a lot like i want this stuff to be the highest quality like when you take it out of the bag i want you to be like oh fuck like Mm. this is this is nice yeah Yeah. those shorts i'm just gonna keep talking about i should be like the spokesperson for shorts (laughs) i'm very 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 picky when it comes to gym shorts so under armor years ago put out this um one type of short literally one type that i loved Mm -hmm. for lifting and I bought like five of them and, you know, wear and tear and things, things happen. And I go to look for them again. They're not around. And then like a year later, oh, my God, I found like them popped up. So I ordered like two more stuff like that. That's why when these shorts came out, I think, I, you know, I got a pair and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then went back and I ordered some more. And then, you know, they were sold out. And I think then Lindsay got me, ordered me some or something mm-hmm. like that. But it's like now I know 
when you guys put out gym shorts, if it's like that same you know style, like you could put out pink, and I will probably buy them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, we are doing them again, man. I promise. Yeah. That same style has been a has been a big hit. We really liked the uh, really liked the way that those turned out. Yeah, I mean everything about them's like the the pockets are deep enough. You, if you need to put your phone in, you know it's got the zip. It's got um, you know when you're squatting, things kind of move out of the way, you know, instead of binding up. So yeah, it's nice. It's an anyway. odd mistake I feel like a lot of brands uh, make. Like I have this pair of Adidas shorts that I really really love, except for the pockets are like super shallow. Yeah. Everything like that's a weird mistake. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, sweatpants like that. That's like, like, literally, like to my knuckles fit in it. I'm like, that. Why'd you even bother? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like some of the mistakes that happen in giant manufacturing. Like, and you got to think at, at at some point they're just like, well, we just don't want to change it. Like we've already paid so much x dollars for this this blank you know and these yeah. um because they use like especially with fabrics they'll use molds um to like recreate the same product over and over and over again so like once a mold is made that's pretty expensive right like you're probably like you're at least a couple thousand in at that point especially for a large-scale production mm-hmm. and uh you know they're probably just like well i guess fuck it let's do like ten thousand of them <laughs> if we already got the mold yeah um it's interesting though the way that those things kind of roll like with bigger companies and it's like one of the reasons is like i always want to stay like a dtc company like i have no interest in um wholesale at all mm. uh i will never ever fucking do that because i want to be able to control the quality i want to be able to control what i want to put out as opposed to working with wholesale where the money sort of like owns you mm. and you have to like rely on your retailers because um, it's, it's something we've thought about before especially be, ritual being like um, especially oddly in powerlifting like a very like good one word recognizable name mm-hmm. um, but like you know like I'm not trying to throw my hat in with Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and all that shit like that's uh, too big for my britches and I don't like I don't love the big I don't love that business model you know mm-hmm. yeah we got a long podcast, so yeah, we should probably cut it because we'll, if not, we'll all three talk all day. I was gonna say I had like three more questions that yeah, came up as we're going through. It's like we'll have to get you back on at some yeah. point here. Yeah, man, anytime. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, we got we got some things to talk about. I want to. I know me and Jordan have been talking about maybe a twenty twenty two meet where you guys are like we have our live large fall brawl in the fall, thinking mm-hmm. maybe something you know with ritual tagged on it in the spring. Yeah, we'll have to get on that i got a lot of big ideas i know you guys got your classic so we won't you know i mean we'll figure it all out but that's uh not tied to anything or anyone actually like uh we basically just pick meet directors that we like it doesn't even necessarily it's not necessarily like uh federation specific and as a from a personal preference uh as a power lifter i prefer a mono and three meter wraps yeah um so y'all are uh uh, my new favorite we, we we got a lot of ideas we'll run them by and see what you think but um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, and cut it there. Uh, Tim, go ahead and throw out your your Instagrams and everything else where everyone can find you. All right. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it thanks was a lot for of fun. taking Absolutely. the time. It's been awesome. Busy people over here, and I'm glad we yeah. got you on. Yeah, man, it's cool. I don't get that many opportunities to just like sit and talk to people that aren't directly in my circle um, of people that already know everything that's going on in my life. So mm-hmm. that was really great. Thank you for that. Um, 
As far as social media stuff, I have the simplest handle ever. It's at Tim underscore ritual. Um, you can follow me there. Uh, I play a lot of Kendama. I talk a lot, which you probably already picked up on. And uh, you should follow my brand probably. It's at ritual underscore underscore apparel on Instagram. Uh, ritualapparel.co is a website. Um, yeah, we also have a podcast, uh, the Ritual Podcast, which is on iTunes and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. That, that sounds sounds about right. Um, yeah, Dane, do you got anything else? If people want to order anything from you, look at merchandise, what's the best way to do it? Website, Instagram? Yeah, either or. Uh, you can get directly linked to the uh, website from our Instagram, but it's ritualapparel.co if you want to go direct. Not dot com dot co. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. This has been oh. fantastic. That was a fun Yeah, one. thank you guys. We'll see you all later. Have a good one.